Welcome to Momentum Church. Man, I feel like y'all came ready to receive from the Lord today, man. It's just, it's just a neat, I love that. I love it when, when just from moment one of the service, people are like, okay, God, what do you have for me? What, what, what's going to happen? What are you going to experience with your presence today? And, um, and I know as, as um, Allie was saying it, or um, um, no, Allie was saying it, Allie was saying it, it was Allie that said it, you know, that, that man, it's like God comes running. And, and you may look at that and go, that seems really not theological, you know, that like, like God's like, come on, boy, come, come. Come on. No, no, no. That's, that's not theologically right. But like she said, man, God, when we draw near to him, he draws near to us. He comes. He's been, he died on a cross, shed his blood, covers our sins. All that. Why? So that we could say, come on, Jesus. So that we could draw near to him. And he comes near to us. I love that. I, I, that, that messes with my brain. That the God of creation would want to have this connection with us. Amen? It has nothing to do with my sermon today. I just was like blown away when she said that because I'm like, oh, it's so true. How awesome. Let's open up in our Joshua, if you would. We're going to open up to Joshua chapter 3. This is our last week in our Go series as far as, as, as the teachings go. It's the last Sunday that we're going to be looking at this ghost story series. And we've been learning uh, the last few weeks about stories of the Holy Ghost or stories of the Holy Spirit throughout the Old Testament, the New Testament, and learning what it looks like to be people that follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. Amen? And I hope that this has been a series that makes you go, I want to have ghost stories for myself. I don't want to hear Pastor Ross talk about what God has done. I want to see God doing something in and through my life today. How many feel that way? Amen. Tired of hearing preachers talk about what God can do, but you want to see God do some things in your own lives. Amen. I agree. I'm with you with that as well. And so I want to look at the scripture all the way back to the Old Testament. We're going to work our way into the New Testament and to the modern times like right now. But the first thing I want to look at is the presence and power of the Holy Ghost in the Old Testament. And during this ghost story series, we've been saying Holy Ghost. Everybody say Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost. Yeah, yeah. I know we, we usually call them the Holy Spirit, but I was. I was raised in a church where they said Holy Ghost. And I'm, I'm not sure why it always had that emphasis, Holy Ghost. But um, even my mother, if I talk to her, hi, Ross Allen, how you doing, honey? And she will talk about the Holy Ghost, right? And so what I want to say today, if I say ghost or spirit, it's the same person, amen? Third part of the Trinity, God all by himself, 100% Father, Son, Holy Spirit. You, they're all three, one. It's, it's the mystery of the Trinity. I know it gets confusing, but it's Father, Son, Holy Spirit. But the Holy Spirit's not a force, okay? It's not just something you feel. He is God all by himself as well, amen? Not three gods. Everybody say one. one. Yep. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. I know it sounds different. It's a mystery. Well, I don't think we'll fully understand until we get to heaven. Amen? Let's look at Joshua. Let's stand to our feet. I always like to honor God's word by standing up first when we read the first scripture of the day. And this is the passage of scripture that's talking about the people of Israel. They have left Egypt. They have wandered for 40 years. And now it is time for them to lay hold of the promise that God has for them. This land just beyond the Jordan River. They're going to get this, this promise they've been hoping for, looking for, walking toward. And so that's where we find this story. The Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that they may know that I was with Moses, so I will be with you. 
In other words, there'll be a sign of my presence in your life, Joshua. Just as they've been signs of my presence in Moses' life, there'll be a sign of my presence in yours today. And as for you, command the priest who bear the Ark of the Covenant. We're going to come back to that. Priest who bear the Ark of Jordan. When you come to the brink of the waters of the Jordan, you shall stand still in the Jordan. And Joshua said to the people of Israel, Come here and listen to the words of the Lord your God. And Joshua said, Here is how you shall know that the living God is among you. Oh, man, I could stop there and preach all morning. Here's how you'll know that a living God is among you. God is about to do something so significant in this moment that nobody can deny it. I want to be able to allow myself to have a connection with God in such a way that the Holy Spirit can do some things through my life and through this church's life, through y'all's life, that is so undeniable that people will come to know a living God. I think the issues we have, people don't have an issue with Jesus. They have an issue that it seems like the faith is dead. Do you know why? Because the faith is dead. (laughs) Smile. (laughs) Jesus isn't dead, amen? And he said greater things you'll do when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. It's time for us to be able to do what we see in Scripture and walk in a certain way that people will know the living God is amongst us. (laughs) I'm done. Let's go home. We're We're almost there. We're almost there. And he says, the living God's amongst you and that he will without fail drive out from before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites, the Girgashites, your mother-in-law, the Amorites, and the Jebusites. Behold, the Ark of the Covenant, there it is, of the Lord of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, from each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priest bearing the ark. We're going to come back to this. These priests bearing or carrying the ark of the Lord. The Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters. When the the souls of those men get in the waters of the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the waters coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Father, in the name of the next few minutes, put within us an insatiable desire for your presence. Lord, I love your word. Your word comes to life when your presence is there. Give us an insatiable desire for your presence, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Go ahead and have your seats. So this is a people wandering. They have been 40 years prior to walking into the promise that God had for them. Were these a delivered people? Yes. They have been saved, right, if you will, if you look at it that way. They've been saved from the bondage of of Israel, and they've been delivered, and now they're set free from their captive, but they're wandering for 40 years somewhere between God's best and bondage. Let me say that again. Wandering between God's best and bondage. Bondage. And I think that's where the church finds itself so often. We find ourselves wandering between God's best and bondage. We find ourselves saved. The Holy Spirit comes into our life. Jesus' blood covers our sins. And then we're pretty satisfied with that salvation. And so we wander. We go through life wandering and, and moving through life. And, but there's things that God wants us to hold on to. God's best. He wants us to go over the river to possess. Say possess. 
to get our hands and our feet in the land that God has for us. And I don't know what that might look for you. It may be that you've already had multiple marriages go haywire. And man, I'm telling you right now, in this church, we love divorced people. Amen? If you're married, stay married. We'll help you. But if you're divorced, we love you. Amen? Yeah, we do. But all I'm saying is if there was divorce in the past and you can look back and say, yeah, I had missed it in the way God was walking me through things, don't do that again. Don't get stuck between that, that idea of bondage and bless it. The next thing that God's best is for your life. Follow after the things of the Lord. Follow after the leading of the Holy Spirit. And we can look at that a hundred different ways, amen? All I'm saying is a lot of times the church on a whole, myself included, we miss out on the promise. We miss out on what God has next for us because we're not willing to get through the Jordan and walk over into what God has. We're satisfied with just our salvation, okay? How many know salvation is good? It's wonderful. But God didn't just deliver the Israelites from Egypt's bondage. He didn't just save them, and that's it. Enjoy the wilderness, some of us, for too long, we've enjoyed the wilderness. No, no, God has a promised land for them, and they have to walk over the Jordan to walk into it. And we can see a key here. The way they walk into the best that God has is through the presence and power of the Holy Ghost upon them. The covenant across the Jordan, carrying the Ark of the Covenant. It wasn't until they began to carry the Ark of the Covenant across the Jordan River, it wasn't until that moment that God started to do that miracle. All right. So what is the Ark of the Covenant? The Ark of the Covenant had very holy relics in it, but at that time, it housed the very presence of God. Isn't that crazy? It literally housed the person of the Holy Spirit in a way. Well, how can you limit God? You know, you can't limit God, right? You can't put God in a box unless he wants to be put in a box. Isn't that cool? His limitations are of such that there's no limitations, so if he wants to be put in a box, he's like, okay, the box is going to represent me. Everybody tap yourself right here. Tap, tap yourself. Guess what? It hasn't changed, baby. You're still that box. The Bible calls you the temple of the Holy Spirit. And if God wants to place his life in you, guess what? He can. But that makes no sense. He's infinite. He's omnipresent. He's everywhere. I know, but he's also in you right, right here. Isn't that cool? You literally are carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever you go. You literally, in a sense, are like these priests carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And so the Ark of the Covenant, God chose to manifest his presence at that time within this Ark, this golden box. And they were very, very subscribed on how they're supposed to carry it. Certain poles, certain materials, the way people handled this thing, they weren't supposed to touch it. I mean, it was a very much a stewardship issue. When you were carrying the box that represented or housed the presence of God, you had to be a steward of that. And guess what? God has always desired man's involvement in carrying the presence of God in the world. That hasn't changed. I don't get that, but God chooses for us to carry his presence. Even when he reached down into the dirt and breathed life into man and man became a living being, at that moment there was partnership. Say partnership. God looks to partner with people. Do you know when man became a living being? The word for that is imago Dei. He put upon himself the image of God, or God put upon him the imago Dei. Why? Because there's always been a partnership with man. That's how God orchestrated it. Even when, when Jesus came, he was 100% man. It wasn't a spirit that came and died on a cross. It was a man that came and died. Why? The Holy Spirit's at work. God's at work. 
but he's going to do it in partnership. Everybody tap yourself with a box. He's going to do it in partnership with, with man. Is that neat? Ooh, I hope you feel a sense of responsibility with that. You know, it's, it's, it's exciting to think about my salvation, but once I'm saved, hold it, okay, Lord, now I represent who you are. Not, not, you know, and I think, here's the thing, I think, I think so often in our world, the representation of God is he's the cosmic killjoy, and there's all this stuff that he takes away from us, right? How many, remember that? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. But no, man, he is this one that empowers us, comes to live within us, and that when he begins to move in and through us, oh, man, incredible things start to happen incredible things and we have just grown too satisfied with our salvation too satisfied going i'm saved and i know i'm going to heaven that's all that really matters i'm saved and i'm going to heaven i don't care how i i go about no no that's all that matters to you but guess what there's a living god inside of you that other people need touched by that other people need to have a spark, something that they can't deny. Be a carrier of God himself. And you don't have to be weird about that. It's just when you begin to be a carrier of his presence, oh, man, that overflow starts to happen. God just starts to pour in and out of you. You'll hear things like, you're different. Something, there's, something, there's something refreshing about you. Maybe sometimes there's something challenging about you. You know, you know how the Lord's going to work in and through you, but he will not move in and through us if we don't, number one, take responsibility to steward the presence of God in our life. We literally, just like these, these people of old, they were called to carry the ark. They were called to carry the presence of God. The same way we are called to carry the presence of God or to steward. When I say the word steward, that means to look after. What does it take to be conscious of the Spirit's work in our life? What does it take to feel that leading and to, and to allow my life to, to kind of step into the flow of what God's doing? What's that look like in our lives, you know? To be conscious of that. And that's a growing thing, you know, that responsibility. That responsibility to take after, to look after, to, to take care of the presence of God in our life. In other words, if Israel was ever going to make it into the promised land, it was going to happen because they were carrying the presence of God. All right? And if you're ever going to walk into the best that God has, all that God has for you, it's going to happen because you're caring or you're being a steward of the presence of God in your life. Amen? And I'll be honest, man, there's times God will just check my heart. You're not being a very good steward of his presence. There's times where a conversation goes by. and I walk, How many of you ever had those conversations and you walk away and you're like, ooh, I just felt that check from the Holy Spirit. Like, that was a little gossipy on my part. You know, or, or let's get real, real. Can we get real, real? That was a little lustful on my part or in my mind. Oh, it got real quiet up in here. Everybody's like, preacher got sin. All y'all, y'all, every, every one of us have gotten sin in our life. Amen. But I'm just being honest. It's like, like, and you feel that check. Why? That check is a wonderful thing. It's a challenge. It's saying you're a carrier of the gospel. You're a carrier of the Holy Spirit. You're one that is literally stewarding my presence in the earth. He has no other box anymore. It's this people of God that carry his presence wherever we go. Amen? Isn't that wild? And so there's responsibility there. And so if we're ever going to experience what God has promised, there has to be a people who will carry his presence. There has to be a people who, who literally have a heart for his glory. What that means is, and I felt it this morning. What does that mean, Ross? The manifesting glory of God. What that means is, and I felt it this morning. I could just sense you all going after God. The manifesting glory of God is like when his presence shows up and it's almost like visible. 
You can feel it. It's tangible. It's the manifest glory. Now, Shekinah in Hebrew, that word, that's literally the, the, the Holy Spirit's presence showing up, the Shekinah glory. Some say Shekinah, some say Shekinah. The glory of God shows up, all right? But there's a word that's beautiful. It's, it's the word kabod, K-A-B-O-D, kabod. And what that means, it's, it's glory. It means a weightiness. So when the manifest glory, when the heaviness of God comes, not a bad heavy. How many believe that that Ark of the Covenant had a weight to it? You knew when you were carrying that thing. You had to not be careless because there was weight to it. You're stepping down off a bank into a river. You had to be mindful because you were carrying something with some kabod. You were carrying something with some weight. Come on. Amen? Guess what? Christians, we still are. We're still responsible. We're carrying the presence of the Holy Spirit wherever we go. So there's a mindfulness about that. And I believe there needs to be a people. I want to be that kind of church that is concerned about the manifest presence of God. I want to be that church that, that is concerned about a relationship with God that is so pure, that is so in line with his leading, that you start to see his work at work. Amen? You start to see signs, wonders, salvations, miracles, deliverance, whatever it might be. God starts to move and do amazing things. But if there's ever going to be a crossing into what God has for us as a church, if there's ever going to be a crossing into what our friends and family members have to go into what God has for them, into that promise, there has to be a people willing to carry the presence of God into this world. But Ross, isn't that the priest's job? I mean, look, you just read it. Take the priest. The priests have the ark. The priest's soles of their feet are going to go into the, into the dirt, into the mucky mud, and the water is going to separate. That's the priest's job. His blessing that happened 2,000 years ago where our high priest Jesus, his blood was shed. Amen? And it was a greater sacrifice. It was a sacrifice so great we don't need priests anymore, in a sense. It was a sacrifice so great that it did away with that. The covering was so good that now we have Jesus as our high priest. And then Jesus goes and does something absolutely crazy. I mean, this is insane. Jesus goes and he says to us, you are a chosen generation. You are a peculiar people, some more than others. You are a royal priesthood. Man. This invitation to be priests took place. I don't even want to call it an invitation. This mandate to become priests took place. Not to be passive salvation, not to be passive believers who are saved, but to be people that realize when I'm saved, I'm a priest who carries now the Holy Spirit within me. And wherever I go, I steward the presence of God wherever I'm going. That's weighty, isn't it? Sounds like a little kabod, doesn't it? A little bit of weight, a little glory. It's glorious, but it is weighty, but it is glorious. So I can see in the scripture two things. The one thing I see is the priest's job. But what happens is, as you see, it says that when they put their feet into the water or into that brink, the edge, that that's when the parting of the waters is going to take place. So feet in scripture often symbolizes humanity. All right? So God, they're carrying the presence of God, but God wants their humanity touching that dirt. All right? Don't miss this. So in other words, we have one hand up connected to God, and we have one foot deep in the dirt. That's how we should be living our lives. Amen? Not so high-minded that we're so no earthly good, 
but not so in the dirt that we don't have the connection and power of being one that is carrying the presence of God. Amen? And you can see that in this. And here's another thing I want you to see in this. Um, the unsteadiness, if you will. Like unsteady. Like, like that, that, they, the historians say that the water at this time of year would have been very turbulent. A lot of water flow. And so the edge of that river would have been extremely unsettled. Maverick and I just got back from hiking, and Mac and I, we crossed a river. And we crossed on a log, but the log was partially submerged. And the first steps to get onto the log were difficult. He did it. He managed well. I fell. No, I didn't fall in. I managed well. But that first step, the water it has caused the sides of the river to start to crumble and up under our feet. To me, when it talks about they're supposed to get to the water's edge with their feet, and then they go to step in, the culture is an unsettled place. It's unsteady. It's the culture we live in today. Don't we live in an unsettled, uns, like unsteady culture? And God is waiting for his church to not be afraid of the unsettled, the, 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 uh, the things that aren't steady. Not be afraid of the crazy. Don't be, just walk out with the love of God into the middle of it. Just be willing to be in the presence of God and then carry it with your feet. Step out into that dirt and watch God start to do a miracle. Amen? Amen? And so I can see a lot of symbolisms here. So the first one, you have the priest. And that's our job now. The second, we have the feet of man. That's the church, people. The church. We are the feet that are stepping out into what God has for us in the middle of unsteady times. Another thing that you see is there was one man from every tribe, 12 tribes. I believe that's a foreshadowing of how God was going to work through the disciples. All right? So you can see in the Old Testament a picture of the presence of the Holy Spirit being carried by God's people. You can see it's a mandate and a responsibility for all those that are priests to carry that wherever we go. You can see that, yes, our humanity is going to be involved. That's why we need his power so much. Amen? Our feet are dirty, are dirty, but we need his power. We need to be carrying the Ark of the Covenant. And then finally, we can see that it is the work of the disciples. And I'll get to that at the end of the talk, all right? It's the work, say it's the work of a disciple to carry his presence. Yeah, we'll get to that in the, in the end, all right? And with that, I kind of want to just put a mandate on this house. Sometimes I'll speak something that I'm just like, Lord, I just, I want to speak it because I want to believe it's going to happen. Amen? They say that's faith. How many sometimes your faith is weak? Sometimes your pastor's is too. Is that okay? Can we just be real? But I'm telling you right now, in my spirit, I just want to say, God, I want to be a, a presence-based church. Amen. Let that settle into you. I want to be a presence-based church. You know, I am so glad that we're having potluck and pies. But potluck and pies will not heal you. I'm so glad that we're having potluck and pies. But potlucks and pies won't set you free. Amen. I'm so glad we're having potlucks and pies. And I, I believe me, if you're a, a first-time guest here today, I don't think you're probably going, Woo! Potlucks and pies! I love this church. I'm coming back because they got potluck and pies. Trust me. Some, can I just be really frank? Half the stuff we do is stupid. Some of the... 
we're going to keep doing it because it's the stupid stuff that we do. <laughs> Some of the stupid stuff we don't do anymore. Amen. But I'm just being honest. A lot of stuff, it's like, it's just, you know why? Because half the stuff you do with your family is stupid. How many stupid things do you do with your family? We do crazy stupid stuff with our family. It's just part of life. And the church is part of life. And so we're going to have some potluck and we're going to have some pie. But you know what? I don't want us to be so, that's what it's about. And the programs and the potluck and the pie. And the programs and the potluck and the pie. And we miss the presence of God. I want to be a presence-based church. I want to be judged, if you will, on being a present-based church. I think I'm tired of people choosing church because of Google freaking reviews. You know what I mean? And I'm, and I'm at fault. I want to go someplace. I'm always going to look at the reviews. I get that, you know. But it's like, are you serious? We're going to choose things based on Google reviews. God is my witness. This is hilarious couple months back, we have somebody visit. I remember the day because it was such a powerful day. It was one of those days where it was the first time that we started praying with people again since COVID, like being able to pray up at the altars where we felt, okay, we feel okay about that. And there was men gathered up here just going after God. I mean, like, I don't know, a bunch of men, all right? That's not normal, folks. You guys realize that. that. That's something that's very special, I think, about Momentum Church. You men love Jesus. You go after God. I love that about this house, you know? I tell people all the time, we got as many men, if not more men in this church than women. That's the coolest thing ever, you know? And so you're going after God over there. Women were going after God over here. It was a powerful worship experience. I mean, it was one of those things where, whoo, you know? Pastor Stephanie on Monday, we're all around the coffee, you know, getting our coffee. And she said, hey, we had a guest yesterday. He did a Google re review. And I'm like, oh, I, this is going to be awesome. Because it's going to be like, oh, God showed up. And, man, it was powerful. And this and that, you know. And, um, and it was a, a three-star review. I know. I hear your disappointment. Isn't this carnal? It is. <laughs> three-star review. And here's the reason why it was a three-star review. It's a three-star review because... Our parking lot lines were not painted well. <laughs> they wrote it. They said they, the parking lot lines, you know. And God bless that person. If you're listening to me, you know what? I, I, it's COVID right now. Like, it's like, yeah, the painting on the parking, there's, there's, there's enough seats, you know. I mean, we're okay. There's enough, there's enough parking spots, right? But it just cracked me up because I was just like, I know that's the mentality so often right now, though, is what are the Google reviews? What are they saying? What this, what that, da 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 and so on, so on, so on. And to be quite honest, I don't want us by reviews. I want us to be judged. Is the presence of God there or not? Judged. If there's good photo op places on campus, J judged if the pastor's personal style is really on fleek. I don't even know what they say nowadays. <laughs> and it is. Okay, <laughs> not really. <laughs> what a. I'm not saying none of that stuff's wrong. I'm just. I'm just, I just think myself included, I've got my priorities. We've got our priorities off. We've, we've missed it. We are stewards of the presence of God. I mean, there was a time 
when folk would come into the house of God and the glory of the Holy Ghost would be so strong you could hardly stand. There's some people in this room who can remember days like that. You just feel something holy is here. Even if you weren't quite sure what it was, you just knew something's holy. And in the midst of that environment, guess what would happen? In the middle of that environment of his presence, faith would rise. You'd be in the middle of that kabod, that, that, that weightiness, that glory. And you start to be able to believe for some things that you'd stop believing for. Not because the preacher was preaching good, but you could just sense the glory, the weightiness of the Holy Spirit was there in that room. And next thing you know, you're believing for your miracle. Next thing you know, you have faith to believe God can heal your marriage. And the divorce that was impending, God's bringing that thing to like, like a healing between the husband and the wife. Not because the preacher preached good, but because the Holy Spirit did a work. Because there was a steward in the Holy Spirit. And next thing you know, that's walking you over into the promise for your marriage. So faith would rise in an environment like that. You know what else would happen? Conviction would rise in an environment like that. The preacher wouldn't have to be preaching about anything that you're doing right or wrong. It's just conviction from the Holy Spirit alone would just start to rise in an environment like that. And when that happens, you embrace the conviction instead of excusing your sin. And guess what? That's your promised land experience. That, like, that's right when you're going from this side of Jordan to that side of Jordan. Why? Because you were restoring the people in that place were stewarding the promise that he had. And there was this miracle invitation into the promise that he had for you. And rather than excusing things you were struggling with, there was a brokenness that started to rise in your heart and a repentance. Lord, it's yours can't break this myself. It's yours. Amen? A presence-based church. And you may say, but Pastor Ross, those days are gone. Can I declare to you, those days are back. Yeah. Give God some praise. Amen? In Jesus' name, those days are back. And I want to, as your pastor, I want to repent to you. Forgive me. If I've led you too close to programs, if I've led you too close to potlucks and pies, blackberry's my favorite. But seriously, forgive me. If I haven't made being a place of his presence the priority that it needs to be. Amen? Amen. Amen. And the reason why is because when his presence shows up in a place like that, man, that's the thing that'll touch our people. That'll touch our young people. That'll touch, that'll touch people that have just grown stale. All of us have been stale in our faith at times. We all get there. You can't live on cloud nine all the time. I get that. But man, when his presence shows up, it just brings that softening of our hearts. It brings that zeal. It brings that passion to believe. It brings that clarity to, to understand what's next. It brings to you that willingness to be broken. And when that conviction comes, not to excuse, but to embrace. We need the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen? Let me walk you through the New Testament. Amen? 
And then we're going to go after the Lord in this place today. So the presence of the power of the Holy Spirit we see in the Old Testament. Here we see the presence and power of the Holy Ghost upon Jesus. And I love this, and the reason why is because Jesus was 100% man. We look at him as God, and he is, but he chose to limit himself. He can do that. And he limited himself while on earth for those 33 years, and he lived as a man who needed a touch of the Holy Spirit. He lived just like us. And in Luke 3, 21 through 22, now when all the people were baptized, and when Jesus also had been baptized and was praying, the heavens were opened, and the Holy Spirit descended on Jesus in bodily form like a dove, and a voice from heaven said, You are my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, in whom I am well pleased. And so we can see the beginning of the Holy Spirit's work on Jesus in that moment. Jesus was touched by the Holy Spirit. Amen? Isn't that wild to think of it? But he was 100% man. He needed this touch. Now the Holy Spirit begins to lead him, and he responds to that leading, and he follows the Holy Spirit to the wilderness. Verse 1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit to the wilderness. Like I said, when it comes to being free from Egypt and then go to your promise, there's often a Jordan between. And guess what? The Holy Spirit is leading us into the promise. Even he did it with Jesus. He had to go to a place of the wilderness too. Can you see the parallelism of the Old Testament and the New when the Israelites had to go through the wilderness before being led by the Spirit into the promise? So did Jesus have to go to the wilderness before being led by the Spirit into the promise. Isn't that cool? There's a parallelism there. All right. So after Jesus experiences the wilderness and the temptations of the enemy on his heart, then in verse 14, Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee. And a report about him went out throughout all the surrounding country. So now he's being led and empowered by the Holy Spirit. Say led. led. Say empowered. empowered. We see that all through Jesus' life. He's led and he's empowered. He's led and he's empowered. Verse Luke chapter 4, chapter, <laughs> Luke chapter 4, verse 18 and 19. The Spirit of the Lord, he says, is upon me. Because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Because he has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind. Do you catch that? Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit has done this. Don't be satisfied just with your salvation. Jesus wasn't satisfied. Jesus is saying, it was the Holy Spirit that anointed me. It was the Holy Spirit that put this upon me. Just like he says that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in us. If we'll steward the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Is that neat? He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives, recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim liberty, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And so, to me, if you're wanting to experience ghost stories in your life, if you're wanting to experience God do great things in your life, like we said at first, you've got to be able to steward the presence of God in your life. Take that responsibility. But the second thing, and Jesus models this to us, we have to live with an expectation of being led and empowered by the presence of God in our lives. If that's how Jesus lived, that's how we should live, expecting and being led by, responding to what he is saying, all right? So the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit came upon Jesus. Now we see the presence and the power of the Holy Spirit come upon his disciples. We're just working our way to us, okay? Luke 9, 1 through 2, when, the, when Jesus had called the 12 together, these are the disciples, he gave them power and authority to drive out all demons and to cure sick disease. And he sent them out to proclaim the kingdom of God and to heal the sick. So now 
we see the 12 again. Just like the 12 tribes back in the Old Testament times that were a part of the priesthood that was carrying the, the ark and they're going into the promise. Jesus is saying the same thing. There's 12, tri- there's 12 disciples here. We're going into what I have for you, that promise. And the promise is all wrapped up in the kingdom of God. Not our kingdom, not what we're living for, living after, but his kingdom. And they begin to preach that new kingdom, that that gospel message of life in Christ. They begin to preach this everywhere they went with signs and wonders following. Wouldn't you like to live out some of the stories that Jesus and his disciples experienced? Wouldn't you like to live out some of those stories that you see Jesus in Scripture have? I want to show you a video. What if what Jesus and his disciples experienced looked like something that could happen today? Doctors can't figure out what's wrong. Can you please help her? So where is she? I love that, a a modern day telling of what Jesus can do, amen? A modern way, that's what Jesus did. It's just a modern way of showing that we need some more modern day showings of what Jesus can do, amen? We need some more modern day experiences of, of the Holy Spirit. And Jesus even said, greater things you will do, amen? Not because any one of us would be greater, but because there's an army of people, if you will, across the world that are hungry for the move of God, hungry for the presence of the Holy Spirit to carry his presence wherever we go. And then because of that army going forth, if you will, greater things shall we do. And I believe that will happen. If we want to tie the power of the Holy Spirit from the Old Testament to the New Testament, 
We want to tie what happened with Christ 2,000 years ago into our actions today. And I do. I want to tie those things together. I want us to be a church that is presence-based. If that's the case, one, we have to take responsibility to steward the presence of God in our lives. Every single one of us, what does that look like? Number two, live with an expectation of being led and empowered by the presence of God in our life. Just like Jesus, living with that expectation. And then finally, part of that expectation that you see the early disciples have that should come into us is they heard the promise from Jesus. Even when they didn't quite understand it all, they positioned themselves to receive. And so Jesus said, go wait in Jerusalem. And when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will be a witness of me. Well, what's that promise? What is that? Just go wait. And they went and they waited. And as they waited, it was, it was 10 days as they waited for the presence of God to show up. They didn't exactly know what was going to happen. But in Acts 2, 1 through 4, this begins to take place. It was when the day of Pentecost had arrived, these disciples of Jesus, they were all together in one place. I think this could be that place, amen? I think it's expectation that allows us to posture our heart to say, God, we'll carry your presence. 659, Arnold Mill Road, Lord, this service can, and if first service won't get it, that's fine, second service will get it. I think I told first service, if second service won't get it, that's fine, first service will get it. Just saying, a, a people that say, this is the place. I'm coming for your presence. I'm coming to experience what you want to do in my life. And I'm going to respond when you do that. It says what happened in that place. And suddenly, let's stand to our feet, everyone. And suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind. I told you earlier in the series that breath is always a symbol of the presence of God. Here comes this breath, this wind, this ruach was the word that we, we learned a few weeks ago that is, 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 is defined as wind, this mighty rushing wind. And it filled the entire house where they were seated. And divided tongues of fire appeared to them and rested on each one of them. Listen, and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. In other words, different things started to happen. They weren't so much concerned with the tongue. They weren't so concerned with all. They were just going after God. And when God showed up, they started to respond. When God began to move, they began to move with him. And next thing you know, Peter's preaching and lives are changing. And the church gained 3,000 people to the kingdom of God that day. Amen? Not because Peter was anything special. 50 days before, if you remember right, Peter was denying Jesus. I don't even know the man. I don't know who he is. But you were with him. No, no, that's somebody else. Not once. That joker denied Jesus three times. But now, under the unction and the power of the Holy Spirit, there's no more denying. Why? Because he is carrying as a steward the presence of God. And he gets up and he begins to preach. And thousands come to faith in Christ that day. Next thing you know, this whole group of disciples begin to go and evangelize the world. And it changed the world as it's known. And you're a part of that 2,000 years later. <laughs> but guess what? It's not about the church in Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. This is about us right now. Amen? That invitation, the Bible says the Holy Spirit is not just for those. It is for those who are in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the uttermost parts of the earth. Those, the Bible says, that are far off to their children and their children's children generationally. And that's who we are. We're the children of God. Far off from that experience, but not far off from the presence and power of God. Amen? So today, the presence and the power of the Holy Ghost is for us today. 
So finally, my last thing, if you want to experience ghost stories in your life, God doing great things in and through you, then that third thing, live with a passion to respond to the presence of God in your life. Amen? And I don't care what that might mean for you. Sometimes in a church service, there's a little practice that happens in church. Sometimes in a church service, he says, kneel. Guess what you should do? Come on. Sometimes in a church service, he says, you should maybe just jam, jump a little bit. You go ahead and jump, you know? Sometimes it's to get on your face before the Lord. Sometimes you may, So I'm going to invite you right now, as we go into this last song of worship, if you need to just sit in your seat and get quiet before the Lord, that is fine. If you feel like you need to be on your face before God, if you feel like you need to be at this altar, get to this altar. Amen? But all I'm saying is go after God, be a steward, be led and empowered by Him, and respond to www.momentumchurch.tv